0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Colin Morikawa went out and he fired a 367 at Royal St. George's yesterday. A strong first round. Nothing compared to what he was about to break out with, though, this morning. He absolutely scorched that track to the tune of a 664. This guy was so good this morning, he was 7-under through 14 and had a look at tying or breaking the lowest round ever in a men's major. Not bad for a guy who had never really even played much links golf before last week. But as hot as he was this morning, that is nothing compared to what Bryson DeChambeau did yesterday. This guy opens up with a 1-over-71, Opened up with a one over 71 and then absolutely opened up on his clubs in the post round interview.
1: If I can hit it down the middle of the fairway, that's great. But again, with the driver right now, the driver sucks. It's uh, not a good face for me. And we're still trying to figure out how to make it
0: uh, good on the miss hits. And, uh, you know, I'm living on the razor's edge like I've told people for a long time. And, you know, when I did get it outside of the fairway. Uh, like in the first cut and whatnot, I catch jumpers uh, out of there and I couldn't control my wedges. So it's quite finicky for me because it's uh, a golf course that's that's pretty short. And so when I hit driver up there and it doesn't necessarily go in the fairway, it's right in the first cut or whatever, or it's in, in the uh, uh, hay, it's tough for me to get it out onto the green and control that. Uh, but when it's in the middle of the fairway, like I had it on 18, I was able to hit a nice shot in there to 11 feet and almost made birdie. All right, so this dude, right? I know this guy's speaking like an auctioneer. Or hyped-up Pete Carroll. But, I mean, listen to how fast this guy's going. If I go back to the start of the clip, I want you to listen to something in particular. But before we actually break down the content, listen to how fast this guy's going. He is Pete Carroll. <laughs> I mean, dude, take it easy. Drew, the jump man, Jill, I can't believe that. Let's go back, Alvin, in real time. I do want to talk about exactly what this guy said. I think I heard him say his driver sucks.
1: If I can hit it down the middle of the fairway, that's great. But again, with the driver right now, the
0: driver sucks. Wow. You know that old expression that a good carpenter never blames his tools? Well, A big Bryson definitely is blaming his tools. He's putting all the blame on them. Like, I would have had a great round if not for this piece of crap driver that they put in my hands. driver sucks. Nothing like hitting four out of 14 fairways and then saying the driver, quote, sucks. driver sucks. It's an incredible move. I have not heard an athlete this bent at a driver since Jason Williams. You know what? I retract that. That's over the line. Normally, when you hear a golfer complaining about his driver, wow, now that's over the line, Albie. Driver sucks. Normally, when you hear a golfer complaining about a driver, he's complaining about what he did with the club. He's not actually complaining about the club, but not Bryson. He's making it very clear that round of 71, not on him. Not on him. That's on his driver because that driver sucks. Driver sucks. Like if that guy had tossed his clubs under the bus, I'd say that. But that's not what that was because that would not be doing it justice. The sound you heard was Bryson tossing his driver on the ground, getting into a big rig, running over it, and then backing over it, and then running over it again. Driver sucks. You hear that? That beeping? That's him backing over it. I've always said, "Have a take, don't suck." Have a take, don't suck. And saying something sucks, it's just not a take. It's lazy. It's not a take. But I'm gonna walk that back right now because Bryson saying that his driver sucks is definitely a take. It's a terrible take, but it's a take. Like, what do you think? What do you think of my round? Or what do I think of my round? What do you think I think of my round? Me. I'm freaking Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, and Arnold Palmer all rolled into one. Or at least I was until they put that bullcrap driver in my hands. And now I'm no better than you. Now I'm no better than your weekend hack on a local muni. So let's not get this twisted. I did my job. The manufacturer of my bats didn't. Take that for data.
1: Take that for data.
0: Actually, you know what I'll take that for? I'll take that as one of the worst takes ever by that rocket scientist. I love that he started the answer by saying, quote, that's what I said a couple of days ago. If I can hit it down the middle of the fairway, that's great. But with the driver right now, the driver sucks. Driver sucks. I mean, check this dude. He's like, this is what I all warned you about. I warned you all about this. I told you my driver sucks, but you people did not believe me. Well, do you believe me now? Because my driver sucks. Driver sucks. Me? I'm still a legend. But that driver, worst piece of equipment I've ever been associated with. And then he capped it all off by saying, quote, I'm living on the razor's edge like I've told people for a long time. End quote. Again, I tried to tell every last one of you, but none of you were listening. But do you hear me now? This is not my fault. I'm doing my job. They're not doing theirs. I mean, like I've heard golfers rip into themselves before, like Tiger on the course. Tiger and Tiger on the tee, the
2: hole in the upper back right quadrant. I don't think he's pleased.
1: No, Tiger.
2: Dumbass,
1: Tiger. Yeah. Oh, Tiger. Oh, well,
0: well, no more kind miss that. Necessary. That
1: made my commentary look pretty mild.
0: All right. So what I'm saying is I, I've seen that, but I've never seen or heard a golfer rip into his own club the way Bryson did. And I'm not sure that I've ever heard a sponsor respond the way Cobra did because golf week reached out to Ben Showman, tour operations manager for Cobra And according to Golf Week, Showman is one of the people who designs and builds the drivers and irons to Bryson's specs. I would imagine that's not easy to do, knowing that guy. This is what Showman had to say. Quote, everybody is bending over backwards. We've got multiple guys in R&D who are catting this and catting that, trying to get this and that into the pipeline faster. Bryson knows it. It's just really, really painful when he says something that's stupid. End of quote. That is an amazing response by the manufacturer. Like, when was the last time you heard a sponsor refer to the athlete that they're sponsoring and saying, quote, when he says something that's stupid? Stupid. Like, never. And I couldn't respect it or like it any more than I do because he's right. That was a stupid thing for Bryson to say. Oh, Showman, he wasn't done now. He was getting started. Quote, he has never really been happy, ever. Like, it's very rare when he's happy, end of quote. He said that about Bryson. Like, bam! Have some. We suck? We suck? No, you suck. That's some Blake from Glengarry Glen Ross stuff right there. The leads are weak? The leads are weak? You're weak. The leads are weak. The leads
1: are weak. The f-ing leads are weak? You're weak.
0: The, the driver sucks? Bleeping driver sucks. You suck.
1: Drivers suck.
0: And there's even more. Quote, now he's in a place. This is showman still. Now he's in a place where he's swinging a five degree driver with 200 mph of ball speed. Everybody's looking for a magic bullet. Well, the magic bullet becomes harder and harder to find the faster you swing and the lower your loft gets. End quote. Like, hey, dumbass. You're swinging a five-degree driver at 200 miles per. There's a chance you're going to miss hit it. How about you tighten up your game instead of blasting our equipment when we're bending over backwards for you? And according to Golf Week, it's not like the club guys aren't trying. They've made seven prototype driver heads this year, which is more than many golfers will have in a decade. Like, that's wild. That's wild. About as wild as how Showman finally capped it all off when he said, quote, it's like an eight-year-old that gets mad at you. They might fly off the handle and say, I hate you. But then you go, whoa, no, you don't. We know as adults that they really don't mean that. And I know that if I got him cornered right now and I said, what the hell would you say that for? He would say he was mad. He didn't really mean to say it that harshly. He knows how much everybody bends over backwards for him. But it's still not cool. End of quote. No, my man, but you are, Showman. You're really cool. He's not wrong either, right? That's exactly what that was. That was a guy who had a bad day, then came back and started throwing his toys all over the room. Showman did reach out to Golf Week later on to clarify, quote, with regards to Bryson never being happy, that was directed solely at his driver, end of quote, and that he's generally happy with both Cobra and Puma, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we know what you're saying, Ben. But you don't have to walk back any of that. The entire world is on your side on this one. And then let's not overlook Bryson saying, quote, it's quite finicky for me because it's a golf course that's pretty short. And so when I hit driver and it doesn't go in the fairway, it's first cut of rough or whatever, or it's in the hay. It's tough for me to get it out to and onto the green and control that. End of quote. Another astonishing quote. Right, B., I'm pretty much certain that that's the same for every single golfer. In fact, I'm pretty certain that's the way the sport works, B. If you hit it into the hay, it is pretty tough to get it out onto the green and control that. That's kind of the point of golf, right? And then sure enough, he finally gets around to releasing an Instagram statement, apologizing for his comments and saying in part, Quote, the comment that I made in my post-round interview today was very unprofessional. My frustration and emotions over the way I drove the ball today boiled over. I sucked today. Not my equipment. Yeah, too little, too late, man. You see, there was a time not that long ago that I actually found this guy to be pretty interesting. Hell, a time not that long ago where I actually liked this guy. And don't get me wrong, like if you're looking for me to pick a side in Bryson v. Kepka, I'm going Brooks all day long, every day. Except the alleged rocket scientist was kind of interesting. He was kind of fresh to me. Now he's neither. Now he's acting like a hack and playing like one and blaming everyone and everything else instead of looking in the damn mirror. I heard your apology, dude. Just do not expect anybody to accept it because everybody can't get beyond how stupid your initial comments were. You know, the ones that illustrated how you really felt, not the ones that were designed for damage control. Driver sucks. imagine coming off that track plane the way he did and that's what you go to? The driver sucks. The leads suck. The leads are weak. You're weak. The leads
1: weak. are weak. The leads are weak. Leads a week. The
0: driver sucks. The drive, the bleeping driver sucks. You suck. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkled donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off. Like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background or figuring out your risk tolerance or finally understanding all those terms that your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG and ICO. Learn about these investment products and more at Investor.gov, your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Johnny Juzang is my guest. Johnny, it's good to have you on. How are you? What's up, Jim? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, dude. Good. It's great to have you on the show. So take me back to last week. Appreciate you, man. You made the announcement last week that you would be coming back to school. Can you talk to me about the kind of conversations you had with your family and people around you when it came to making that decision?
2: Yeah, well, look, I mean, last year was obviously a blast. Um, I love playing with this team, these guys, and for these coaches. Um, So, you know, kind of going through the process, um, look, I had an amazing opportunity to come back and do it again with these guys and be a part of another special team. Everybody's returning. Um, And I think we got something special going into next year, so it should be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a great team competitive. We're all going to get better, and we're all going to compete uh, at a high level, and for you know, for to take home you know the big title. So. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just a great opportunity.
0: I really respect that response and the decision to come back and run it back again. If you go back, Johnny, to the Final Four, man, it was so impressive. You guys went into the tournament having lost four straight games, and the team had battled injuries and lost key players. I'm kind of curious, what was the mood and the mindset like around the team at that point?
2: Um, You know, after we lost those four, it was tough, but, you know, we kind of got together with, you know, the coaches and us, and Basically, it was like, well, you know, all this stuff can be put behind us. Nobody's going to remember this. They'll remember what you do in that tournament. Um, and this was before the tournament started, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, coach Sabino actually said that, um, our assistant coach, uh, he said, nobody's going to remember what you did before this or these four games you lost. You have a chance to come out and really do something special, and we're starting from zero right now. So we've got a chance to play in this tournament, and we can make something special, and this is what everybody's going to remember. And, you know I, I think it is it is what everybody remembers. so uh, it's kind of funny it's kind of funny that he said that before but that was our mindset going in and and you know you never know man it might have worked out in our favor and those losses might have made us uh you know come together that much more
0: i think those are two really interesting points number 1 he was right he's right nobody remembers anything, any of that that transpired before and maybe kind of galvanized yeah. the team right so like a lot of teams that lose four straight going into the tournament lose that first game they pack it in you guys were down 11 at halftime against michigan state in the first four and you battle your asses off and you come back and you win in overtime like what is it about this group that just doesn't give in doesn't blink refuses to quit
2: yeah well first i think it's the character of the guys right just a toughness toughness and greatness and it was something we were conscious of was that we're going to leave it on the floor win or lose we're not going to have any regrets and we're going to leave everything out there and that was our mindset every game so first, I'd say the character of the players, but second, it's also what coaches instill here as he's been building this program. Uh, it's something that, you know, obviously he lives himself by, but also it's something that's non-negotiable for him um, when he's coaching us and building this culture. So it's also him, and that's, that's that's what he really puts a lot of value on, is that toughness, grittiness. That's something we're going to have.
0: You know, that, that phrase, non-negotiable, I'm glad you said that. I was going to ask you about that because you had told Andy Katz that when it comes to the culture, the grit, and the toughness within the team, it's, quote, non-negotiable. I'm curious, is it a mentality that the guys have when they show up on campus, or is that something you and the other leaders teach to the younger players?
2: You know, I think it's both. Um, That's something that Coach Corrin looks for in players that he's recruiting and bringing in. He wants guys that just work and really want this. He wants guys that are fiery. He wants guys... Um, you know, they're going to do what it takes to win. He wants competitors. So I think it starts there. And then also it's something that's cultivated and something that you work on and build on. So I think that's what the coaches and the leaders, um, you know, to instill that and, you know, keep that as standard. So I think it's a little bit of both.
0: Johnny Juzang joining us. So with the announcement that you were coming back, there was also a rush to declare you guys are the favorite heading into next season. Like what's your reaction when you hear that? Does that sound about right to you? Do you want that bullseye on your back or do you kind of ignore the whole thing?
2: Um, You know, you still go out and play every game the same. So I don't think it really affects anything on the court. Um, But you know, I have, I have, I have fun just playing the game. So speaking for myself, um, you know, I, I can have fun coming in and playing the team that's that's number one, or I can have fun, you know, being the team that is number one and everybody's coming after. Uh, I just like to compete, so either way, it's going to be competitive. Um, so it's exciting, though. It's exciting. I, I would say the most exciting thing about it is the energy around. Um, you know, the team in this upcoming season. Obviously, it's something for me growing up in LA. Um, playing at UCLA was always something I saw and envisioned. Um, so to be here and and bringing, uh, let me take that back, also winning at a high level at UCLA and winning for the home team and, you know, really bringing it back, um, you know, the UCLA, the, the winning days, bringing that back was something I always saw. So it's really awesome to be a part of a team. We went to the Final Four last year and then we're carrying the same momentum with even, you know, bigger expectations of the next year. Um, it's awesome to be a part of it and finally see come to life.
0: Yes, there's a couple of things in that response I really like, but when you talk about helping bring UCLA back, I mean, we're talking about a Final Four run. You might be looking ahead and not look back, but when you think about what this team did, when you gave Gonzaga everything they could handle in the Final Four in one of the all-time great games in NCAA history, you beat BYU, ACU, Bama, Michigan. The end might have been not exactly what you were looking for, but as you look back on that whole run, that whole experience, what kind of thoughts do you have? What stands out?
2: No, man, it's a it's a proud moment. I would say I would say really for me, though, the the moment I I felt most touched um, was, honestly, once we had finished that tournament, it was such an incredible run because you don't, you know, with, with basketball, right, you know, basketball is a sport, you got a lot of high-level guys. You know, sometimes you're on teams and, you know, guys have egos or guys aren't really playing for each other or whatever. So it's rare to be a part of a team where everybody is playing for each other. Every single guy is leaving it out there, playing for each other playing with toughness, you don't have to doubt or worry about any single guy on the team. So to have that camaraderie across the board is really, really special. Um, So I think that was honestly what I was most touched by. Yeah, it was some amazing games. We played some great teams. We got some great wins. But but that right there, what what you have between the guys, was so special. And that's at least what I appreciated the most.
0: It's it's a great response. Like, dude, it matters, right? I mean, you don't have to love your brother or love the guys you run with to have success. But it sure as hell helps. It makes it a lot more fun, too, right? Like, you'll always have that bond with these guys no matter what happens for the rest of your career or your life.
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. But it definitely, you know, probably more than you think it does have a huge effect um, on on what comes out on the court, right? So – I think it's both. I think it's both, but it's definitely awesome to know that, you know, we've shared those moments with these guys. I hope we are going to share some more this upcoming year. Right. Johnny
0: Juzang joining me for a few more moments. You mentioned you were an L.A. guy growing up. I love this part of the story. You were a star at Harvard Westlake here in Southern California. You started your college career at Kentucky. You came back to UCLA. So what does that mean to be back home and doing it there? And what was it like growing up in the 818 or going to school in the 818? Because I know that life. I grew up in Calabasas. I went to Calabasas High School, and I'm not apologizing for it, man. 818 for life
2: yes sir yes sir um no it's great to be back home and for everybody to be able to support um you know so locally and the people you've grown up with it's also their home team so it's awesome man the support's awesome it's great and um you know as far as growing up around here uh it was a great experience obviously this, this city there's so many great people and great opportunities i was blessed to make so many great connections and build so many great relationships so you know how the a1a does it uh, you know, it's great. It's I, great.
0: You're right, man. I do know how the 818 does it, and I'm not going <laughs> to apologize for it either, man. I, I, in all honesty, Johnny, I don't live there anymore, but I spent most of my life there, so I see it. I feel it. Now, you yes, were at the sir. NBA Combine, Johnny, in Chicago a few weeks back. I'm curious. What was that experience like for you? What did you take away from that?
2: Uh, you know, it's a great experience. You, you make a lot of great connections, and uh, you know, meet uh, meet some good people. Um, and you know everything's a learning experience so definitely took a lot away from that and the whole process in general so it's great and also just get a taste and feel of what it's like at the next level you know we all have goals of playing there it's definitely one of my goals um, but you know right now I'm focused on the season obviously but it's great you know to get a feel of it know what you're working towards and working for and get a little little bit adjusted, and now you have that experience when the time does come. So it was great.
0: So final thought, I think that you'd be the first one to admit that the success you've had is, I mean, a result of you putting in the time, but you don't have that kind of success or that kind of run if you don't have the right people around you. When you announced that you were coming back, you thanked everybody who has helped you, and quote, especially my dad, who helped for countless hours. Like, what kind of a role has your dad played in all of this, and what have you learned from him?
2: You know, he... It, the 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 process. I mean, really, all of this stuff, but especially when you're going through that draft process right now, you're, um, you know, you're you're an individual, um, so you're responsible for you know a lot more. So he just helped out across the board, man. Whether it's you know scheduling, communication, or you know um, booking this or that, obviously just you know being more supportive as a father. But you know, there's so much that goes into it. You're traveling all over the place. You're talking with these people, you know, those people. Um, so just really everything across the board, man. He's always so helpful, um, so helpful. So I'm really, I'm really lucky to, to, to have a dad. I mean, just the patience alone. I mean, I don't think I have it. So I'm really lucky.
0: That is cool, actually. All right, so one final thought. You mentioned your head coach, Mick Cronin. Johnny, this is a big Mick Cronin house. I love Mick. I've always loved Mick. And I was so impressed by the fact, man, that he was clear that he and you guys all expected something like this. It was not surprising to him. What's it been like to play for Mick?
2: Oh, it's great. He pushes guys. He gets us better. Um, Obviously, you know, he really knows what he's doing. So we learned so much from him. Um, it's great. It's great to play for someone, you know, especially when you're a serious competitor yourself, and you got guys who are serious competitors to play for a coach that's a serious competitor. He's gonna do what it takes to win, so it sets the tone and it trickles down. So it's amazing player for him. You know, he's fearless. Um, he's fearless, and he's wise. So we get to learn, and then we also get to be led. Um, so it's really great. That's a good
0: combination. Fearless and wise. UCLA made that great run last year. My guest, Johnny Juzang, all NCAA tournament team, all pac twelve selection, balled out in the eight one eight as a high school player. Johnny, appreciate you a lot, man. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Let's do it again soon.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you, Jim.
0: So recently I was trying to figure out what to give my wife Janet as a gift. You have to understand she wants nothing. Ever, 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 ever. Wants nothing, needs nothing. Ever. So she's impossible to shop for. But then I discovered paintyourlife.com because the thing that is most important to her is family. And it's hard to get family together all at once. We have a son in college now, everybody's going different directions. But I want to find a way to bring us all together safely. So when I heard that we could do that at PaintYourLife.com, I thought, man, that is an amazing idea. What I'm talking about here is a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. I'm telling you, then you get it and you're absolutely blown away by it. And for me and my family, you literally cannot put a price tag on this. There is nothing, there's no store that I can walk into that would mean more to my wife than this. And at PaintYourLife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word ROME, R-O-M-E, to 64000. That's ROME, R-O-M-E, to 64000. Again, text ROME to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Once again, text Rome to 64000. One of the breaking stories of the morning is apparently Tom Brady played the entire season with a torn MCL. You know, nobody would ever question that guy's toughness or his commitment. Being a professional athlete on a broken stick probably is not easy to do. So I want to say that. In no way am I being... I'm not going to clown him for that or, you know, kind of say, come on, man. It's not that bad. It's a torn MCL. It's not that good. And he plays quarterback. Not However, good. let's remember the way the play this guy plays quarterback. couple of stops, or I should say a couple of steps back. Look at the defense. Look at option one. Look at option two. Look at option three. Get it out to the fourth option. This guy can do all that in like three seconds. He gets it out quickly. Let's just say they don't woe this guy out too much. Let's just say there's not too many RPOs with this guy. Let's just say we're not talking about Lamar Jackson here. We're talking about Tom Brady. But still, not easy to play a pro sport with a busted up leg. It makes me wonder, you know, why we come to find out now about this. But it makes me wonder how many guys are actually playing with things like that or close to that that we don't know about in that league. But we know about it with him, so it's out there. So, again, I've got a tremendous threshold for his pain. I've never really had knee issues. You know, I moved into kind of a cardio thing instead. of Like earlier in my day, I was a huge treadmill guy. But there's kind of a pounding involved with that. So then I started to go elliptical. And then I moved on to my Peloton. You know, lower impact things where I could still get a good burn. The one experience in my family, I once had a torn rotator cuff from training with some guy. You trust the trainer, he tears your rotator cuff. Awesome. Anyway, in my experience with my family, once, once when we were on summer vacation, Janet, my wife, tough gal, man, really tough gal, really tough. Like, I've seen Janet go through stuff that I don't really want to get into, but medically involved stuff, she doesn't blink. Like, she's fearless. The bigger the needle, the less it bothers her. So she's like that. She goes on vacation to Montana ahead of me a few days. She goes down to the baggage carousel to pick up a bag and feels something pop in her knee and tells nobody, just doesn't even say anything. Gets to the house, entertains a family that we bring in, and finally admits to me a few days in that I think I did something to my knee. I'm like, what? She's like, it popped. Oh, it popped. Does it hurt? Yeah, kind of. All right, so why don't we go get it checked out? And keep in mind, we're on vacation. We're in Montana. She has a torn MCL. I'm like, hmm, not good. Below not good. We're going to be Below, here two weeks. not good. She's like, I already have a plan. Oh, you already have a plan? What is your plan? I already found a surgeon. I'm going to get surgery done tomorrow. I'm like, well, wait, what? We're on vacation. We're in another state. You're going to get knee surgery on vacation. And her response to me was, yes, because we're on vacation for nine more days, and I've got time to recover, and I don't want to do this when I get home. i got too much stuff to do. Wow. That's her torn MCL. All right, now I'm going to come clean with you clones on something else. Do you remember not long ago when I had a couple of days off that I just suddenly mysteriously disappeared? And a lot of you were speculating on what that might be. Did he go get a vasectomy? No. Did he have COVID? No. Did he have plastic surgery? No. Is it any of your business? No. But strangely, I still see a few things come in every single day about people speculating where all of a sudden I went on no notice. Like you knew my two weeks were coming, right? But the, those two days where I didn't work came out of nowhere, and I didn't say anything. So it was pretty good sport to try to figure out what Rome was doing. Plastic surgery, vasectomy. Did he get calf implants? Was it a Botox went bad experience? All right, I'll come clean. Here's what happened. So I'm working out, and I'm hitting the Peloton hard hard like I was always a 45 minute guy then I got up to 60 mixing in some hikes doing some upper body work you know essentially part of that whole reinvention thing I just wanted to lean out a little bit and I want to be in my best shape at this point in my life and it it started to hurt it I'm just saying it started to hurt so I'm pushing through it like bitch punk punk You're just getting old. That's the whole point, man. Push back, push back. So I'd go harder and harder and harder. And then I noticed I was starting to lean out, but I still felt pain. And you know how I feel about Peloton? Peloton's like the most amazing product. I love it. But I started to feel some pain that I thought maybe, I don't know, like maybe saddle sores, maybe it's some bike related pain. And I just kept pushing through it. And it got worse and it got worse and it got worse to the point where it was affecting my performance on the bike, not in life, not in work. I walk into the doctor one day. He goes, what's going on? I said, well, I got this thing, right? I got this pain. I got this burn in the pelvic area. And before I could even finish, he says to me, do you know why? You have a hernia. I said, well, how do you know? And he said to me, Jim, there isn't a day that goes by that somebody your age does not walk through that door and talk about that same pain, and it's always a hernia. I said, all right, maybe not because I've got the same pain on the other side. He goes, right, you have two hernias. I said, yeah, I don't know, doc. You think maybe you wanna look at it before you just tell me that? My doctor's incredible, I love this guy. But he hasn't even looked, he's just telling me this. I go, do you maybe wanna look? He's like, yeah, I can. Not to be graphic, throws on the blue glove, takes a look. He's like, yep, you got a couple of hernias. I'm like, all right, so, and this is how naive I am. I'm like, all right, so give me a little therapy or give me a pill or give me something. What what do we do to treat this? He goes, no, that's not how that goes. It's surgery. I'm like, it's surgery. He said, yeah, it's surgery. So I I know this is what you have, but go get an ultrasound. So I'm doing all this. I'm not telling any of you this. And I go for the ultrasound, which was a great experience, by the way. Never had that done before. Never had to deal with the wand or the KY, or whatever they use with the wand. You know, I've seen the wife do it. We have kids. Yada, yada. So, it's incredible. So, I go to the hospital to get the ultrasound done to confirm, and this woman is with the wand and the KY, or whatever they use. And she's like, yep, yeah, I don't really see anything. I don't. Really, I'm kind of having a hard time seeing it, and then, but they're very coy because they won't tell you what they do or don't see because they don't want to be liable. I guess after being there like a half hour and her telling me she can't really see it, I'm like, respectfully, nurse practitioner or nurse assistant. My wife told me she can see it from across the room with her eyes. So you got this little ultrasound deal, and you can't see it. So we finish it. I wait. I check with the doc. He's like, yes, you have two hernias. So I go in and I take care of it. And that's where I was those two days. That's where I was when I took those two days off. I had double hernia surgery, double. which is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome in that I had to learn how to get out of bed all over again, man. That, 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 it, it may be a really common procedure, but it's no joke. So that's where I was. And for a couple of weeks, I didn't do it. Oh, one day, one day you may have seen this. I don't know if you saw it, but I came to work one day and it was bad on camera. Like I broke out in this cold sweat. I was in a lot of pain. That had never happened before. So the, the mystery behind the, did Rome have a Botox session that went badly? Did Rome have COVID? Did Rome get a vasectomy? Did Rome get a nose job? Did Rome get none, none of that? I had two hernias. And luckily, I found myself a badass doc who took care of it, and it has not been an issue. And I've been grinding out the miles on the Peloton, getting a little upper body work in. But, and by the way, by the way, one of you got it right. There was somebody who did hit me up on Twitter at that time and said, hey, Rome, I know what it is. You got hernia surgery, didn't you? Because that guy knew. That guy probably knew that at this age, there is wear and tear. See, I don't even know when I did it. Because, and I was say one more thing. This is how stupid I am. He diagnoses that, and my first response was, can I keep riding the Peloton? He's like, yeah, I think you can, actually. It's a different kind of motion. If it doesn't bother you, go ahead. So this guy says to me, you got two hernias, and we need to plan surgery. And I went right home, and I ran 20 miles, or rode 20 miles. So it was good, until it wasn't. Not good. That's the story there. That's what happened there. 1-800-636-636. Eight six, eight six, And now that's been, what, a couple months? Feel like a million. Feel awesome. Look good, feel good. Except that nurse is like, yeah, I don't see anything. Really? Because you've been waving that wand over me for a half hour. You've gone through a whole tube of the KY. What do you mean you don't see anything? I've got a freaking golf ball, man. What are you talking about? Anyway, what's popping, Twitter? Just getting personal with some graphic information for you. Now you know. Stop saying that it was a bad Botox experience. 1-800-636-8686. Johnny Juzang coming up later on in the hour. Brian Burns coming up next hour. I want to reset my take or my conversation with John Anik. Let's see what we got here. Some reaction. At 7-11, Alvy is absolutely savage With those drops in the double hernia story, LMAO. Were you, dude? What'd you get going when I was telling that story? I I didn't hear anything. Hey, Jim. Glad you came clean on the hernia. I knew there was a reason why you were low-balling us on your lack of explanation for being out. My sympathies, Jim and Temecula. I'm just not about that. You know, like, I didn't want to miss any of the work, actually. But anybody who's had that surgery knows it keeps you down for a couple of days. Let's see what else we got here. Heads from Bacon. At what point is Big Head going to be making his jungle appearances via Costa Rica to avoid the authorities? I don't know. Brian in San Pedro. Oh! Sign LeBron seeing Space Jam 2 reviews. Ah! Wells is in. Quote, human herpes gloss is better than DeAndre Olding Odin gloss, but both are good efforts. Yeah, it means a lot to us, Wells, that you think so. If Wells says so, it must be so. SA Sports Honks in. Rome, I agree with Big Head. DeAndre Odin does look old. Sign writ. And 12 wood tweets. You can fact check this. I just Googled the number one cause for hernias sitting on rubber band wallets. Yeah, I don't think so, wood. I was led to believe that they can result from lifting something, normal wear and tear. I don't know when I did it. (laughs) I don't know when I did it. So I don't know when, because like I said, it just started to hurt, and I just kind of ignored it and just kind of tried to play through it because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. So I don't know. It like, it wasn't like Janet when she said she reached out the carousel to pick up a bag and heard a pop. I didn't hear a pop. I just one day was kind of sore and a little more sore, but I thought it was a good sore, right? That whole thing between being injured and being hurt, I didn't know. I thought it was fine until it started to burn and became the size of a golf ball, and I knew it was not fine. It, thank you, Ali. It was. It was. <laughs> okay. See, now, in, in a way, I wish I had gotten into it earlier, because those who know know. Dmac unwar the mesh. I know what you're talking about, man. I got the mesh. They give you a choice. Do you want to go laparoscopic, or do you want to go old school? Old school sounded like my man going in with a steak knife and just doing what he does. So I'm like, nah, let's, let's go laparoscopic. Why don't we go new age, new medicine, and I'm sure the mesh will be fine. Wells. Man, well, Wells, what? Well, like, I don't know how all of a sudden you're a thing again. Maybe because the new guy thinks that you're funny. I don't. Double hernia. What does that mean? Double. Signed, the double rainbow guy.
2: Whoa. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, t- oh my God. Woo.
1: Oh wow.
0: Let's just say that was yeah. not my reaction to having a double hernia. Yeah. When when the doctor said, "Yeah, you got two, I didn't oh. I did not go, "Oh my god." Oh. Whoa. Oh my god, two of them. All. Oh. oh. Two oh. hernias. God. That makes me feel like an it's old man. So dry.
2: Oh. Oh my god, it's oh, so tired. Oh my god. Oh.
0: Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report, limitations do apply. Brian Burns is my guest. Brian, good to have you on. How are you? How
3: you doing? I'm good.
0: Good, dude. Good. It's good to have you back. All right, so we're less than two weeks out from the start of camp. How are you approaching those two weeks? Are you enjoying the last few days of summer, or do you want to get this thing going as quickly as possible?
3: Uh, I just want to get it going as quick, quickly as possible. Like I really miss ball. But at this point right now, I'm just doing a little couple of light workouts to stay in shape, but uh, recovering just so I can be ready for camp.
0: Kind of fascinated by the workouts themselves. Like the things that you were doing in a season before were like during the pandemic, you were working out in parks, you were filling up buckets from Home Depot with dirt (laughs) for weights. I mean, dude, you were doing anything you could to get stronger. What was that last summer like? And then what's it like training normally now?
3: Yeah, that last summer was tough. Um, bo- both of these summers have been kind of tough for me, but that last summer was extremely tough because we was always getting kicked out of the parks for too many people working out, and we had to work out in garages. Yeah, like you said, we were filling up buckets of sand and trying to do whatever we could. And then this summer, I was coming off of a, um, a small shoulder, um, shoulder surgery, a little labrum, little labrum tear, and um, I just had to wait till, uh my recovery time was about three, three to four months before I can actually start lifting again. But it's way better than last year. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Man, that I just, I,
0: it's not, I'm not laughing at it, but it's just hard to believe, and I get it, but hard to believe that elite athletes, high-level NFL players, are thrown around sandbars in a park and they won't even let you do it. And I understand why. It's just kind of hard to believe, right? So Yeah, it was tough. It's different, man. It's different. So you're coming off a year where you led the team in sacks, But interesting to me, because a few weeks back, you were talking about the ones that you missed. Not the ones you converted, but the ones you missed. Quote, it's like 50% motivation, 50% heartbreak. When you look back on last season, what kind of thoughts do you have and how motivated are you to break into that double-digit sack club?
3: Oh Man, it honestly hurts because there were two sacks that I had last year that were kind of taken away from me um, due to like a penalty or something like that. And uh, that would have definitely put me in that double-digit range. So I mean, it definitely hurts not being able to get those, but I did leave a lot on the field. So it's a lot of motivation going into this year to finally just put up those double digit numbers because I I know that my last year was supposed to be double digit, but obviously that's not the case. But it's 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 a lot of motivation um, nonetheless.
0: Brian Burns, my guest. Also, you get some additional help this year. What was your reaction when you found out the team had added Hassan Redick?
3: So oh, I was. <laughs> you can imagine I was happy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they ask to get some help on the other side and, and our guys can't just key me or slide to me or chip me, now they have to pick their poison they have to pick one or the other and if they double team me, now he's going to be free with a one-on-one. They Double team him, now I'm going to have a one-on-one so um, I was definitely happy with that pick up.
0: Brian Burns, my guest alright, so you had nine sacks, he had twelve and a half, if you got to call your shot right now who's going to have more sacks this year you or him? Me,
3: <laughs> me. I, always want, I always want money on me but uh, he's definitely going to be be uh be on my tail. He's going to push me to get more. So, but I'm always going to put my money on me. Though I'm going to have to. My you tax. got to. Brian
0: Burns, <laughs> name, to. you have to. Listen, I know you're always working on anything you can to get better your footwork, especially. So, as a pass rusher, what's your favorite move? Is it that spin move? Is it pure speed, or is it something else?
3: It's honestly a toss up between um between my spin move in or out and my ghost move. Those are my those are my favorite moves. Like. Oh, I'd probably go with my ghost, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think my ghost is my favorite move. It's just because it's just the, the fact that usually when it works, like the most effective way it works is when they don't touch me at all. And I feel like that's the best way to beat somebody.
0: That's why it's the ghost move. So when and how many times do you break that out over the course of
3: any game? Um, honestly, it it honestly depends how the game's going and how he's setting me. But uh, that would be my go-to. So if it's like third and 20... And we know that they, they have to pass the ball, and it got to go deep. It's going to be like a five-step drop. I'll probably go to that ghost move. But um, if he's been deep-setting me or vertical-setting me most of the game, then I'll probably counter it with a spin. But it'll initially start out with my speed to, to my ghost.
0: Got it. Brian Burns, my guest. You know, there's only certain things you can control. All good things come in time. But you were not named to the Pro Bowl last year. I bring that up because, overall, do you feel like you're getting the respect that you have already earned?
3: uh i'll take that as a no yes (laughs) i'll say yes and no okay yeah mainly no i'm just trying to you know but you feel me but uh no i really don't honestly um i feel like there's a lot of things I, i do that that are really difficult that a lot of people don't see um i mean but yeah obviously i can't control that i can just do what i do so i mean it'll come one day (laughs)
0: Let me tell you, and the days go fast, right? I remember you and I talking before you were drafted, and that was only two years ago. You're already entering your third season, but there are a lot of young guys on that defense. Do you feel like you're a vet now and that the other young guys are going to look to you? Is that how you're approaching it?
3: Yeah, honestly, I felt like a vet last year. I I was just in my second year, but all the guys were asking me questions and coming up to me for for answers and everything like that, and I was playing with, like, six... uh, six or seven rookies at a time on the field and uh it it was like it was like jeez like this is my second year and everybody coming to me for the answers and everybody coming to me to make the play but uh i embraced it so i was happy with it
0: not only that but your head coach sees it that way matt rule has talked about the fact that you are a leader and he noticed that your role would get bigger and bigger last season so Mm -hmm. what's it mean to know that the coach has got that kind of faith in you and what's it been like to play for him
3: it means a lot, honestly. I mean, it's a lot on my plate, but I, like I said, I embrace it. So I, I enjoy him um, putting his trust in me and allowing me to to lead the team and and lead the, the young guys in the right direction. And um, honestly, it, yeah, it does mean a lot. So I mean, I'm, I'm gonna keep taking steps in that in that in that direction. And I'm just keep going with it.
0: Yeah, he is putting a lot on your plate, but you want that. You want that, Brian I want Burns, that. Yeah, for sure. Right, you especially. So when you look at the defense overall, I mean, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing Reddick. I'm seeing Jeremy Chin. I'm seeing the arrival of Daquan Jones. The drafting of J.C. Horn. I mean, there's some big time talent at some really mm-hmm. critical positions on that defense. What's the upside in your mind of that defense, and how excited are you about that unit?
3: Oh, uh, honestly, I think I think we don't have a limit. I think I honestly think that. We could do whatever we want. I think we can be very dominant this year with the guys that we have, and especially us all being young. And I feel like we have a we can have a, a really decent rotation as far as like keeping guys fresh, but not losing the step off the defense. So you know that that's really where the drop off comes off when your starters come out and um, other guys come in. There may be a drop off or the intensity may not be as high. But I feel like we got guys that can back up other guys. So I really feel like we we're good through and through.
0: Brian Burns joining me for a few more moments. Speaking of talent, the team brought in Sam Darnold, at quarterback earlier this year. I thought you had a really interesting comment about him. You told NFL Network, quote, watching him through OTAs, I can tell he has that dog mentality, end quote. I mean, when it comes to praise, that's about as high as it gets. What have you seen that lets you know that you think he has got that dog in him? And what do you expect from him this season?
3: Honestly, I could just tell by his mentality. Like, um, there, there could be certain throws that he can make, like and everybody will praise him and be like, "Oh, that was a great throw" and everything like that. But I can see him on the side, kind of not. I wouldn't necessarily being too hard on himself, but he know that he can do better. And I feel like that, that's a, that's the that's the inner dog with him, uh, trying to get his best out. If, if you know what I'm saying. So, like, I kind of I kind of I kind of peek things on the side. Like I'm not looking at what he does on the field, but it's kind of off the field how he handles adversity and he how he handles um, when he when he accomplishes something. So. I can see him being a big role for our office and, and uh, making really, really, really good runs for us.
0: I think that's fascinating what you just said. That, I mean, yeah, you're going to watch this guy on the field, but where you really watch this guy is when he's off the field to see how he conducts himself and how he processes things. Like, is that mm-hmm. a, effectively, that's a you thing. That's, I, I appreciate that you do that, but is that not the case for every single quarterback in that league? I mean, aren't all eyes always on those guys, what they say, what they do, how they prepare, how they react? That's part of being that guy in that league, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, especially that position. That's a prime time position. All eyes are gonna be on you and there's a lot of blame's gonna be on you too if it doesn't go uh how you expect it to. So I mean, the way they handle themselves and the way they, they process things after the play and, and uh take criticism is this is critical. So Yeah, definitely. That's why I I noticed that.
0: Hmm. Brian Burns, my guest. One last thought. Earlier this year, former Panther legend Thomas Davis was walking through that locker room. Uh, He noticed your nameplate is on his old locker. He said he was pumped up by that because he thinks you're a special player. I mean, Brian, my man, when a guy like that says that about you, when a guy who meant to that franchise what he meant to that franchise, and you've got that old locker, how much does that mean to you?
3: Means a lot, and uh, I'm glad that he, he trusts me that it's in my hands now. So uh, it does mean a lot, though. But yeah, he has done great things. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer in my book. I mean, he was a great player, and I knew him when I was like eight because <laughs> my brother played for them 13 years before, prior to me getting there. So I knew him when I was young. He was babysitting me all the time, or uh, whatever the case may be. But right. um, yeah, I was just glad that. He knows that the locker's in good hand, and that uh, he thinks I'm a special player.
0: But I am taking the Suns minus four. I gave you my take before I asked you yours. Which way are you going in that one?
1: Interesting. Yeah, it's a tough and tricky spot here. Both teams are so damn evenly matched. I can see how you struggled with that one. There's so many counterpoints for every argument right now. From the gambling metrics, Jim, the Suns, you can't find many weaknesses in their numbers via the spread this season, and there's a few to really like here tomorrow night. They are the best home team and the best team after a loss in the NBA against the spread all season long. Those are factors tomorrow night. Now, I don't use Milwaukee's numbers against the spreads really to gauge anything at this point for them. Their regular season is misleading. They've been amping up for the playoffs all along, and I'll take them here plus the four points. Um, what worries me about Phoenix is Milwaukee shot the ball horribly in Game 4 and still got the job done. They are better shooters than they've shown all finals long. Also, as each game goes on, the Bucks continue to impose that size and will in the paint and on the glass. I mentioned it before last game. In Game 3, they had seven more offensive rebounds than Phoenix, and in Game 4, they had 12 more offensive rebounds than Phoenix. Now, they've doubled the Suns for the entire series there. Also, there's no adjustment for not having size on your roster at this point. They're so reliant on DeAndre Odin here. It's scary, Jim. Now,
0: DeAndre Odin? Is that where you just went?
1: Doesn't he look like Greg Odin a little bit, DeAndre Ayton? I mean, they look like they're 55 years old, but <laughs> well, Greg, they need oh, more of him that on that, the huh? roster, that I'll you say like that. that. You yeah. thought that was pretty funny, didn't you? Had? I love that. Yeah, I thought it was a great joke. Yeah, but. I,
0: you thought that was a great joke. <laughs> well, why don't we take a moment so you can acknowledge yourself? And what a great joke you just made. Hi-oh! <laughs> Think that's a great I, can joke? See, I can see You're now a joke, the Suns head. winning, but the is a You're a joke, head. We do make fun of the way people look on this show. Come on, man.
1: I do know, better, I know. be better. I'm a clone again. Like I, you I said, love the way like you just like you go
0: right to the metrics and you give me like thirty things that don't really mean damn to me, and then you just mm-hmm. break that out. That by the way, you don't care about the numbers. You were setting up that joke, which is not I, a funny joke. <laughs> DeAndre Odin.
1: <laughs> yes. DeAndre Odin. Fifty five year old center for the Phoenix Suns. Now yeah, I can see yeah, the you the mean Suns that. You mean that guy was first pick
0: overall that's lived up to all the hype and is playing really well. You mean that guy?
1: Yeah, that's the one right there. Okay. Just don't take any pictures, DeAndre. You don't want to do that. Trust me. <laughs> so, Anyway, Chocula I, I just texted me and told me the line Stay is going go to go fast. Right, three so are, to five. Okay,
0: okay so the, do you have four? The line I have is four. Do you have four?
1: I have four. Chocula thinks it's going to go three, five fast. So I'm taking Milwaukee right now at the four. If you're the Suns like you, I would wait till Saturday night to see if you can get that three, five for sure. All right, so we're going
0: opposite ways on that one. I'm not saying that I felt great about it. And I'm certainly not saying that I feel great about your stupid joke, but you're going to take the points and I'm going to go with the home team to get right. All right. Now, obviously, the Open Championship continues. You may not have the same passion for that sport, head, that you do the NFL or UFC or NBA, but I know you have a passion for finding value and getting down and getting paid. Ironically, some of your best work has been done in golf majors. Did you hit anything on the tournament prior to it starting? And what are you looking at this weekend?
1: Yeah, we've made some money here now, and uh, right now Jordan Spieth is a favorite, so a lot of the money is heading towards Jordan because he's lighting it up right now. But I'm all over Colin Morikawa. I love him. I hit him last night. The audience won't believe me. I hit him at plus 1,600 last night, but right now you can still get him at plus 400. He's on fire, Jimmy's He's had seven top ten showings in his uh, 18 events this season. He's the best Irons player in the game. I'm taking him. And I think I'm going to also take Louis Oostheizen. He's a uh, plus 375. It's a three-man race between those three right now at Tops, uh, Morikawa, and Oosthuizen. So I'm going to take two of those three, wedge a little bit, still make a little bit of money, though. So there's value there. All right, so
0: you only butchered two of their names, but I know where you're going. That's fine. Let's talk some baseball. We're at the halfway point of the Major League season, so why don't we talk some ball? Is there a particular game or matchup that you like? And since we are at the halfway point, how about a futures pick going forward that might realize or we might realize some value with? Do you see anything
1: in that regard? I do, actually. So tonight, first, I'm going to go with Ike Ritz, Cubs against Arizona. Ritz team has lost 13 of their past 15 games. Finally. They also haven't been great on the road this season. But Ike, they have been playing good at winning as an away favorite, mm. and that's what they are tonight, Jim. The money line is minus 140. I'll take that because Mason Saunders is on the mound for the who? Diamondbacks. Who? He has been bad who? at home this season and at night. Head the who? Diamondbacks who, 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 who is on the mound? Mason Saunders, the team roper.
0: Oh, Mason Saunders. Madison I got Bum-gabber. you. Yeah. Mad yeah. bum. I got you. Okay. okay. I see what so you did there. So he's been
1: terrible. Still not funny, but go ahead. Still not funny, but his bullpen's been as bad, almost as bad as him. They're posting a 5.51 ERA. The Cubs starter Kyle Hendrick is 9-0 nine and over his last 11 starts, so I like that. And as always, Jim, if I miss on any of the old man's teams, tweet at him, not me, because he will be, of course, live tweeting game 91 of the regular season for the Cubs because he's been doing it for all 90 games it, at Garrett Ritt right there.
0: It isn't that exactly like must watch social or must watch engagement or whatever you want to call it when old Ritt fires up the lapper and is like all right it's go time Captain Ritt is here Rittest time to host my show. fan of
1: all time right there Garrett right Ritt. On. He once Royal. got two
0: likes on one of his comments I think.
1: <laughs> Wait do you see any futures that you like we're at the halfway point. I do, I do. I I love the value on the Chicago White Sox right now. Mm. They are a plus 725 to win it all and a plus 300 to win the AL. I'll hit both of those, Jim. They have the best record in the AL. They are scoring the third most runs in all of baseball per game. They have the second highest on base percentage, and they are getting more reinforcements soon, namely Aloya Jimenez. But that's just an added bonus. I love their pitching staff, man. They have front end aces they have depth and weapons the only concern i do have is michael kopech like he needs to be out there more tony the kid is filthy and i want him on the mound a lot come october maybe he will be i'm not sure but the white sack white Sox, have a real chance at winning this uh, al and the world series at plus 300 and that plus 725 yeah i think that tony larusa is totally out of touch but i agree with you i love yes. the white sack
0: <laughs> White, you don't mess with a white sack, man. They're good. All right, so do this for me now. Run this thing backwards, top to bottom, so they understand who are you taking this weekend.
1: Bucks plus four, Morikawa plus four hundred, Ustenheisen, which I know I messed that up, plus three fifty. Oh, you so messed I'm up a lot of stuff, those.
0: actually. I just let it go.
1: <laughs> We're going against uh, Moo 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 Madison and taking Ike's Cubs at minus four. Our one forty on the money line. Finally. And we're gonna go futures White Sox winning the L A L at plus three hundred and the World Series at plus seven hundred and twenty five dollars. Dude, did you tell me you had Morikawa at plus sixteen hundred? I had him at plus sixteen hundred last night before round two. Yeah. You think maybe you want to tell us that before you show up and he's plus four hundred? Well, yeah, I probably should have tweeted it out when I hit it, but you know, the clones are gonna believe me today anyway, so I just all I'll hit the plus four hundred right now. All right, head. There you go. We had a bonus segment on
0: Wednesday earlier this week. You got us paid. You've got your Friday spot where you normally are. Good job. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Appreciate the effort. Let's get down. Let's get paid. Thanks,
1: Jim. Everybody
0: do Do it now. Get the <laughs> Hey now, check out the new guy. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. I am back in the jungle after two weeks off. and It feels great to be here. Get it all out of the way, clones. Yeah, I know. The new guy's back. Look at the catch rack game. I'm sure you probably needed a break from me. I know I needed a break from you. Went into that two-week break coming off the smack-off, which I thought was tremendous. The guest host came in and absolutely tore it up. I want to thank all of them for doing that. Give me some time. Yeah, that voice is in me. I mean, nothing more hey, weird than a dude hey, sitting there in the cage with his foot dangling from his leg and talking about the other guy's wife. We don't give a You can't be talking bleep when they're carrying you out on a stretcher. This
1: is not over. It's
0: pretty much over, Connor. I'm going to jam his face with a slice the red velvet and finish him off with a nice hoax slam. Lane Johnson.
3: MMA is a totally different level. You can play football, but you can't play fighting because if you do, you'll embarrass yourself and get hurt.
0: Outside the lane. What do you like about that? What's that experience been like for you?
3: Well, it was different, you know, doing it live. Well, do it live.
0: Why do we go to northern Wisconsin in the summer? We go because it's awesome. Do you like it? No, either you get it or you don't. What were you doing there? It's not there? for everybody, but it is for me and it is for my family. And judging from what my scale said to me,
1: quote, Fat brother. Brother, I'm not worried about your weight. I'm worried
0: about your Geese crap. Lots of it. Yo, Midwesterners, what do I do about that? Bottle rocket. F-
1: Professional F- dog and dog F- handlers. The dogs will scare them. The geese will hurt away. You rest the dog, essentially. You gotta grab one of them geese by their long-ass neck, twist them around like Conor McGregor's ankle, and slam them to the ground in front of all the other geese. What if
0: we have some turf war? What if they go recruit every other goose in the state? You take one of our geese, we'll take two of your sons. F- Yonder Alonzo is joining us. Here's the situation with Shohei, right? Yeah, we talk about him
2: a lot, but we really don't. What we are seeing every single day, we will never see again. Rome, it's good to have you back. Did you watch any w- Wimbledon on Sunday, uh, Jim?
0: Yes, of course, I watched Wimbledon. Ah! I'm a talk show host. Yo, Broham, Wisconsin has TV. Ken Gravy Jr. tweets. Twitter! Hey, Rome, the broadcast used that Fat what? Booth app on Griff's face during coverage, right? We are not going there. Trey
3: Turner joining us. Are you able to hit somebody in the mouth? Play after play, body blow, jab, body blowing, you softening people up. Those four yards turn into 30, 40 yard runs. Email.
0: How many times a day does Rit hit up the new guy, Count Chocula, for an autograph? People love my Count Chocula cereal so much. Mm. Damn, Brian, well done. Finally. Unreal. Let's party hard. It's awesome, man. I'm and I'm fine with the cup getting back. banged up <laughs> a little bit. Good on them, because see. what they did do was unreal.
2: Unreal. Unreal. Sounds scary down there. i right are having trouble with Groose. Let me at him. I'll chase him away. Jim hey, we'll
0: My guest is Carl Lawson. What was it about the Jets that made you feel like that was the best fit for you?
3: Uh, I was going to make a lot of money. <laughs> that was kind of like the first thing that came to mind as far as that process. Nobody
0: ever says, hey, 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 boss. You know it would be good today? An Eric and Lyle reset. And if we can work in an Orenthal reset, that would make the show really good. Uh... No, no. It's just you idiots. Michael Brockers is my
3: guest. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to,
1: you know, I guess, can I say bitch?
3: <laughs> Man's game, bitch.
1: But nobody is more important than Aiden for them. And a, a game now dominated by small ball. Look at the big fellas' importance right now, Jim. They have no one who could spell him. Going with you. Milwaukee minus four points. up <laughs>
0: why he's the defensive player of the year. And not because he's a lockdown one-on-one defender on the perimeter, but because he can do that. And moments. the list of guys who can do that right now is very short. I
3: wanted to officially welcome you back, How was
0: Wisconsin? <laughs> That's a question. And now we're done. Hey, new guy Tom, really quickly. What did he tell you? When I screened him, by the way, hey Jim. Hey. hey. He called himself human herpes because he's stuck on me and he's never gone away.
1: Glad I asked. Thank you very much. But of course. They're so reliant on DeAndre Odin here. It's scary, Jim. Hey.
0: Let's just say that was not my reaction to having a double hernia double. When, when the doctor said yeah you got two I did not go oh my god, oh, god. two of them oh, uh, that makes me feel like an it's old so man <laughs> Johnny Juzang joining me for a few more
2: moments. You know how the 818 does it. Uh, you know, it's great.
0: You're right, man. I do know how the 818 does it, and I'm not going <laughs> to apologize for it. We our peeing and our pooping muscles. Bro, just keep flying planes while you're asleep. Brian Burns. My last year was supposed to be double-digit, but it's a lot of motivation. What was your reaction when you found out the team had added Hassan Redick? Uh, Now I happy as hell (laughs) What's up, Jim,
2: bro? What's What's up, Tori Hunter? Hunter? Nothing, man Still don't wear a cup
0: Rit vacations in Hawaii And I vacation in Wisconsin Unreal! Hola, amigo!
3: Man, loved your show Love listening to you, brother Keep doing it That's why you're in the Hall of Fame Ooh, Sliding
0: into my ATP Mm.
3: There's War Eagle on there Human
0: herpes Take a, a tinkle Driver
3: sucks Yes, sir How you doing? I'm good All's well that ends well, James
2: This is not over Can I finish? Good night now! Good night!